Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello there, everyone, and welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Paulette, and I am the tech editor here at HowStuffWorks.com. Sitting across from me, as he always does, is senior writer Jonathan Strickland. Hey there! So uh, today we're not tackling anything particularly, I don't know, delicate in terms of technology, nothing that we needed to do a lot of research on. Instead, we decided to do something a little bit more fun. Yeah, and this comes to us courtesy of Rich in a little listener mail. Rich says, hi, guys. Was wondering if you had done a podcast covering hidden Easter eggs in software, video games, etc. Couldn't find it if you have. The first one I can remember coming into personally was in the Atari game Yars Revenge. I also remember Microsoft Excel having a hidden game when you went to a certain cell and typed something. Anyway, I thought it would be cool if you guys could cover some of some with their origins. Thanks, Rich. Well, Rich, we're going to cover a few of our favorites. We each picked uh, uh, five, I think, and because um, mm-hmm. there are hundreds and hundreds of Easter eggs out there. Oh, yes. And we should probably start by explaining what an Easter egg is. Oh, that's a good idea. So Easter eggs are these hidden little features within something. It doesn't, it can be software, it can be hardware, it can be pretty much anything you can imagine. There are a lot of DVDs of Easter eggs. In fact, we may do uh, an episode just about DVD Easter Mm -hmm. eggs in the future. Mm -hmm. We specifically avoided them for this episode because they're just, they're, Hundreds of those as well. Yeah. But in general, an Easter egg is something that someone connected to a particular project slips in as a joke, uh, usually an inside joke, some sort of reference, um, or sometimes just a treat for people who like to poke around and explore uh, in hardware and software. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, sometimes they're actually condoned by the publisher. You know, right. The uh, the publishing company knows about it and they say, oh, yeah, you know, so long as it doesn't interfere with anything, you know, go ahead and throw that in there. Um, you know, some of the very uh, my very favorite ones, uh, my very, very favorite one, especially is uh, one that was done without the knowledge of the publisher and um, was actually uh, sort of a punishment to the, pun- the publisher for not being more accepting of uh, including credits. Interesting. So. Yeah, this can be a way for a programmer to either let off a little steam or just be silly. I mean, when you're saying they're designing uh, hardware or software, when you're spending hour after hour in the design process, the testing process, it can really become a grind. And these little things are kind of ways of expressing your own little personality quirk or whatever mm-hmm. in a way that's kind of fun and and other people can enjoy. And if no one ever finds it, well, it's still a joke that you can enjoy. Yeah, and – uh the reason that they're called Easter eggs, well, it may or may not be obvious to you, but it's sort of like uh, going on a hunt. The yes. idea is that you will hunt them down and find the little uh, little bit of secret uh, joy, I guess, hidden away in the recesses of the program or the, the disk somewhere. Right. I mean, they're not supposed to be impossible to find. If you're impossible to find, then they're not really Easter eggs yeah. anymore. Some of them are really challenging and some of them aren't quite. So difficult. Like on DVDs, for example, you may have noticed while, you know, trying to navigate from one option to another that you highlighted something that you didn't think was a choice. And then it turns out that there's some weird little feature behind it. That's a very common Easter egg. And mm-hmm. it's, it's not that difficult to find on most DVDs, assuming that you have a, you know, normal DVD remote control. Yeah. Yeah. And even, 
and compu- computers, excuse me, <clears throat> in a computer you can often move the mouse around and find little spots that you can click on that will activate hidden features. Yeah, in my uh, in my experience, it's been a little easier to find in a uh, on a computer than it has been actually using the remote. Yeah, yeah, some remotes just aren't as responsive, it seems, to that kind of thing. I've, I've noticed the same sort of issues. So let's go ahead and get started. Uh, Chris, why don't okay. you start us off? Well, I was gonna, I was gonna go ahead and start with my favorite. Um, okay. This was an, an Atari 2600 game, um, from back in the dark ages. Actually, somewhat literally, a game called Adventure, mm-hmm. um, in which you play, okay, you play a square. Right. No, literally, you're not, you know, someone who's uncool. You are a square. Oh, groovy. But, but <laughs> But no, uh, you are an adventurer and you are trying to, uh, get the chalice and bring it back. Um, the thing is there are three dragons that are out to get you. Um, and you are supposed to go through the labyrinth and get through the castle and, and defeat the dragons and, and win. Well, it's a pretty simple game. Um, but apparently from what I have read, uh, programmer Warren Robinette was not allowed to put his name on the final product. Apparently it was Atari's game as far as Atari was concerned. Um, so what he did, uh, he embedded a micro dot, uh, inside the wall of, uh, of one of the dungeons. And, um, I won't get into the details. It's, it's kind of complicated how you have to do this, but there's a bridge that you can pick up and carry. You're allowed to carry one item with you. Uh, how do you pick it up by running into it? So you, complicated. yes, it, <laughs> well, I mean, this is back in the day where you had a joystick with one button, right? Um, which, you know, many of the younger listeners are probably going, what, really? What's Just one button? What the, oh, I mean, no, most of the other, you know, most of them have some kind of joystick, except they I guess the current generation sticks. doesn't have, you know, yeah. Anyway, 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 um, you, you had to pick up the bridge and ram it against this wall, and it would allow you to cross over far enough, you actually move past the, the normal line to get into the wall and pick mm-hmm. up this micro dot, which was essentially one pixel. And when you had this dot, you could cross over this other wall and see Warren Robinette's name. It said created by Warren Robinette. And, so he got uh, his name in the credits. He got his name in there, but you had but you to had know. You had to know exactly how to get through there. Yeah, you had to pick up the bridge and take it to a certain spot yeah, and yeah. carry it back. And um, It was a little complicated, but not complicated enough to stop lots and lots of people from seeing it. And I think, you know, this is one of the most well chronicled Easter eggs out there. Although there are websites devoted to this, I found. Yeah. There, a lot of these will spread virally once someone discovers them. They'll, they'll tell a couple people. And then it, before you know it, it seems like it's common knowledge. It's kind of funny how fast they can pass through the entire, uh, network of folks. Well, yeah. I mean, this was before the internet. Yeah. And lots and lots of people knew about, you know, this game that came out in the late 1970s. So, right. uh, you know. So my first one is similar in that it refers to a, the classic era of, of home video gaming. Mm-hmm. It's the Konami code. Oh, yeah. Which was first used in a game called Gradius on the Nintendo Entertainment System. It was more famously used in Contra. And the code itself, you would use your uh, Nintendo controller and you would put in the sequence uh, using the controller and go up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B, A. I guarantee you that some of our listeners said that with me. Yeah, I'm And some sure of them they probably said it faster because they just, you know, it gets stuck in your memory. So back in the day, this was a cheat code that would allow you to get usually like for most games, 30 extra lives. A lot of different games use this, wow. this code. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and a lot of these games, these early NES games, because remember, this is back before you could do things like save your progress in mm-hmm. a game. Yeah. If you turn the game system off, you you ended your game. You would have to start a new one. So you lost all the progress you had made. So things like generating extra lives was a big deal because, you know, you wanted to try and see the end of the game if possible. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I wouldn't normally call that an Easter egg, right? That's a cheat code. Yeah. So yeah. cheat codes and Easter eggs, I'd say, were two different things. However, the people who are building the software we're using today are mm-hmm. the same people who, as kids, were playing games like Contra and Gradius. Yes. And they were people who knew the up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B, A code. So they started to build it into software. Specifically, you find it in a lot of web pages. Mm-hmm. There's one web page in particular called KonamiCodeSites.com. If you go there, you can actually see a list of all the different sites that have this as an Easter egg in it. Uh, in order to access KonamiCodeSites.com, you have to know the Konami code. <laughs> so you have to do up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, BA. And then it'll let you in. Uh, and among them are sites like Facebook and Dig, although I should say that I tried using it on both of those recently and I couldn't get them to work. I don't know if it was because – I was using Chrome, mm-hmm. so it may just be that it's not supported in that browser. I haven't tried all the different browsers yet. But uh, in Facebook, what it used to do at any rate was create kind of a lens flare effect. And it would go away if you quit out and came back into Facebook. You'd mm-hmm. be fine. Mm-hmm. But it had this kind of weird fantasy uh, lens flare effect. Um, also Google Reader, which it still works in Google Reader. If you do it in Google Reader, the background turns into ninjas. And, uh, <laughs> but there are lots of other websites that use it too. And it just shows – in this way, it shows that a lot of the people who program these websites were big Nintendo Entertainment System fans back in the day. And uh, I think it's a cool little code to keep going. And you never know. you know, It may be that the website you're on at any particular time has that code. And you know, just by typing it in, some of them you have to hit – another key after the sequence, like enter, or you may have to click the mouse button. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, there are, there are several that, that use it as a, uh, as a key to getting to the Easter egg. Okay. Your turn. Um, I actually have a couple from my, uh, uh, days as a pseudo graphic designer. Uh-huh. Um, those that we're talking about the early two thousands, uh, late 1990s when Photoshop three and four were out. And, um, Actually, there's been a series of Photoshop releases that have an Easter egg. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, this is a really simple one, actually. Um, in, in Photoshop 4, which is actually the first one I found out about it, um, if you hold down Alt when you do about Photoshop, I think it's Alt, um, it will bring up a splash screen, very much like the one that, uh, that you see when the, the program actually starts. Um, but, um, Instead, it actually shows you a picture of a cat, and it says "Big Electric Cat," which is the, which was the development name for the product, and uh, you can actually and it scrolls through the credits, and just just like you would see the credits, you know, on on other versions of the splash screen, but uh, you can actually uh, make the cat meow using another key combination or or uh, burp actually, and then uh, in later versions, Photoshop Five, Strange Cargo. Uh, it shows a box, and you can actually open the box to see the cat. Nice. Um, but it's uh, just one of those cool little things that they they throw in there, and they obviously support it. You know, Adobe knows about this, right? And you know, it's not harmful, it's not offensive. You know, well, why not? You know, yeah, it, it shows kind of fun the level of sophisticated humor that your average software developer has. 
moving on. Um, <laughs> so this one, this one's the uh, one that I included mainly because of my own personal connection to this um, Easter egg. Okay. Uh, so there's a series of of computer games that came out in the 80s and 90s called Ultima. All right. I think you've heard of it. Yeah. Uh, so uh, you, the listener, not you, Jonathan. Yeah. So Ultima Five was uh, a game in which you were playing. Um, a hero who returns to a world after many years of being away from this world to discover that things are not going so well and it's your job to try and make things right. And you learn lessons along the way. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got to play this game back when it was an alpha build. So uh, most of the stuff was complete for the game, like the basic mechanics, um, attacking, defending, you know, your health, that kind of stuff, magic, yeah. mm-hmm. that things. But a lot of the other stuff, like conversations with other characters, hadn't been built out yet. So you would come up and try and talk to people, and they had nothing to say. Uh, one of them actually specifically would tell you he had nothing to say. Most of them just didn't respond at all. Um, but the one who would respond with nothing to say was obviously a joke written by one of the developers. But one thing that was in there was a, a weird little Easter egg mm-hmm. that one of the developers told me about while I was there. He just thought it would be funny to tell me. And it was that uh, within certain towns, they have wishing wells. And if you tried to use the wishing well, you would lose one gold coin and you could make a wish. And you could wish for different things. And in some towns, something would happen. In some towns, it wouldn't. Most towns, one wish always worked, which was Corvette. <laughs> if you wished for a Corvette, a horse would appear next to you. And you could get on the horse, and the horse would increase your movement rate so you could get in between towns much more quickly than you would yes. otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, so just, uh, using a gold coin at a wishing well, typing in the word Corvette and boom, horse would appear right next to you. So I was curious if they would keep this in. And, uh, Richard Garriott, AKA Lord British was very kind enough to send me a copy of Ultima five. Um, uh, he had befriended my dad and, and he was a, a all around great guy, uh, sent me a copy. And the first thing I did was as soon as I was able to get to a town that had a wishing well, I used it. Wish for a Corvette and a horse appeared. And I thought, that is awesome. I was in on an Easter egg before it even went gold. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. All right. Next. That's very cool. Um, actually, uh, in my notes, I had, you were, we were talking about the sophistication of the humor. Yes. Um, the, uh, if I just, sorry, I should have mentioned this before, but if you, uh, apparently, I found this out as I was doing some research. Uh, I just wanted to make sure that I had all the names straight and things. Apparently, though, if you uh, if you take a screenshot of the splash screen for a uh, special cargo, which is Photoshop 5, uh, and open it in Photoshop and hide all the channels but the blue channel, you actually get to see one of the uh, senior scientists, a picture of the senior scientist on the engineering team. That's pretty funny. That's m- Yes. But the other one uh, I was going to mention that's a, a graphic design program is uh, Quark Express. Well, I guess it's actually a page layout program. Um, but this was one of the, the ones I found by accident. Um because if you had a, uh, in, in one of the earlier versions of Quark, I don't know if it's still there, but, uh, in Quark 3, if you had a, a box, uh, basically an image box or a text box, um, and you held down shift option command K, uh, which was a, a variation. I actually did this by accident as a, uh, as a, uh, fat fingered key mistake. Mm-hmm. Uh, normally that would kill the box if you did, uh, I think, uh, option command K. But if you added shift instead, uh, somebody's gonna write in and tell me I'm wrong. Anyway, it's got an extra key in it. There is a little alien that walks out from the side very slowly, just little make makes little clumpy noises, you know, 
and then comes out and zaps the box for you. So instead of it just disappearing, there's this whole, you know, sound effect and gets rid of the box. I found out again in my research in later versions of Quark, if you, if you hit that key combination, the alien comes out, but if you keep hitting it rapidly, another alien comes out and apparently they have a fight. Nice. <laughs> That's a great Easter egg. Yeah. And it's one of those things where, uh, I've always pictured Quark as a very serious company. Uh, but, um, apparently they, uh, had a sense of humor enough to include that in several releases of the, the program. Well, here's one that also shows, uh, kind of a snarky sense of humor Uh-oh. by a company, that company being Mozilla, or actually that nonprofit group, Mozilla, Yes, uh, which responsible for the Firefox browser. If you go to Firefox and type in, in the uh, address bar, about colon Mozilla, mm-hmm. uh, this is what you get. And it kind of is a little dig at a certain mega corporation that may or may not have the world's most popular internet browser. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> Mammon slept. And the beast reborn spread over the earth, and its numbers grew legion. And they proclaimed the times and sacrificed crops unto the fire with the cunning of foxes. And they built a new world in their own image, as promised by the sacred words, and spoke of the beast with their children. Mammon awoke, and lo, it was not but a follower. From the book of Mozilla, chapter 11, verse 9, 10th edition. (laughs) So, um... Yeah, there's some biblical references in there. Mammon being the, uh, the personification, actually the, the godlike personification of greed and specifically greed for money, mm-hmm. um, which may be a, a reference to a certain Microsoft, um, and how Microsoft at the time had been suggesting that Firefox was kind of a flash in the pan and totally unstable and you shouldn't use it. And then they essentially are saying there that, um, eventually they're going to take over the world. And when Microsoft wakes up, it's going to be too late. <laughs> uh, kind of interesting. I was very, I, I actually tried this out in Firefox. Oh yeah, it works. And yes, it does work. It works. So about colon Mozilla in the Firefox, uh, address bar if you want to check it out. Okay. For my, uh, for my last two, I deviated from the, uh, um, software model. Okay. Somewhat. Uh, and I actually own the first one. Um, my, uh, my very first computer, as many of you know, was an Amiga 1000. And, um, and Commodore was far from the only computer company to have done this. But if you open up, and I haven't actually done this with mine. I think I was afraid that I'd mess something up. It was mm-hmm. in the days before I was, uh, familiar with the guts of a computer. Sure. Um, but if you open up, and I still have it, it's just somewhere else. Um, but if you open up the case and flip over the lid, you will see, um, the, uh, all the signatures of the people who worked on the Amiga 1000. That's pretty cool. Um, it's actually part of the plastic in the case, so it's uh, it's pretty cool. Yeah, that's not it's unusual subtle. either. It's another one of those Easter eggs that has appeared in other products as well. If you were brave enough to open it up, you would be able to see it. Now, in some cases, the items that you'd open up were not easily closable again, so it wasn't necessarily yes. something you'd want to attempt. A lot of tech stuff is like that. Yeah, it's you don't kind want of irritating. Yeah, I got it open. It. Yeah, it's now, like Pandora's box. What do I do? Really. So All these um, wires popped out. <laughs> this one has to do with a programming language. Oh, okay. So if you have uh, the Python Interactive Interpreter, mm, mm-hmm. so we're talking about the Python programming language. Yes, you open so. up Python Interactive Interpreter and you type in import anti-gravity, 
it brings you to an XKCD comic about how simple the Python programming language is to learn. Wow. Yeah. So Python developers in turn fans of XKCD and, and there's like this uh, mutual adoration society going on there. But it's kind of interesting. Also very odd that you would type in import anti-gravity and that would send you there. I mean, how, how often does one type that in Python interactive interpreter? <laughs> I can tell you how often I've done it. Yeah. Zero times. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Your turn. Um, the next one, or I guess this is my last one, isn't it? Yeah. Um, the, uh, would involve one of our favorite bands. They might be giants. Mm. Um, whose factory showroom CD. This is a little challenging because a lot of bands on the last track of the CD, they'll just leave some you know, silence yeah. for, I don't know, some of them 10, 15 minutes. Yeah, Weirdo Yankovic did that once to me and scared the living hell out of me. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because there was 10 or 12 minutes of silence and then just 30 seconds of him screaming and banging stuff as loudly as he possibly could. That'll le- that'll teach you to leave the CD player running Yeah, while especially you're doing if you're, like, else. snoozing. Yeah. Oh, boy, I think I lost at least three years of my life off of that. Anyway, you were saying. <laughs> well, this one actually requires you to back up. While you're listening to the first track to get to the, uh, to the, get to the hidden tracks. It's a little wow. more challenging. I've, I've, you know, frankly, I know it exists because I've seen it replicated. I've never been able to get it to work. I guess I just, the CD players I own are, are just not old. compatible with it. Yeah. yeah. But, um, no, it's, it's documented. It's well documented as a matter of fact, but, uh, it's, it's pretty cool because you can, you actually play track one and then if you just rewind, theoretically, it's supposed to work. Yep. John and so, John. But I think that's very clever. I don't Crazy know how, guess. I don't know how you do that. How yeah. do you encode? I mean, I know how to encode a CD, an audio CD, but, but I don't how do you know how tell to, it to hide. skip over the first couple yeah. of tracks as if they didn't exist, and then you only can get to them by backing out. I don't That's interesting. Know. Um, it's a mystery. Well, my last one is about how Mac window boxes suck. I'm sorry, what? Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, so in OS 10, you can choose two different ways to minimize a an open box on mm-hmm. your on your OS, okay? There's genie and there's scale. Right. Those are the two different methods you can use to minimize the boxes. Yeah. There's actually a third one, but it's not a choice you can see right there. You actually have to do a little work to choose it. Okay. It's called suck. Okay, so it's not in system preferences. What you have to do is you have to open up a terminal window and you have to type the following. Mm-hmm. Defaults write com.apple.doc my, min effect, M-I-N-E-F-F-E-C-T, dash string, suck. If you type that in and then you uh, restart the dock, mm-hmm. and you try to minimize something, you will see that the window gets sucked down into the dock. Whoa. Like it, it, it shrinks on one side and then just zips on down into the dock as if it's being sucked down by some sort of vacuum force. Weird. And it's actually pretty cool to look at. Um and you can also switch it back to, you know, going into your system preferences and change it back if you if you don't want to see your windows minimized that way. But mm-hmm. I thought that was a clever one. Interesting that it was included as an option, even though it's not visible within the actual system preferences. I wonder if that one was supposed to have been included. Might have it might have been when some things that are counted as Easter eggs originally were supposed to be part of the the. Feature finished site? project, project, yeah. yeah. But either something didn't get done in time, or it was kind of a it was a 
you know, it was deemed as not as important as the rest of the project and mm-hmm. kind of uh, abandoned. Uh, sometimes that code just stays in there and you might be able to access it a certain way. Um, and, uh, the, in those cases, it might not re- technically be an Easter egg because it was something that was supposed to be a feature. It was right. just left in. Um, I can think of one, oh, and there's, there's kind of like the of flip one. side of Easter eggs too. Yeah. There's stuff that should have been in a product but was left out. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, evidence of that feature remains in the product and then you get people who are ticked off. I can think of, uh, uh Knights of the Old Republic, the, the video game. There was an entire section, uh, I can't remember if it was in the first one or the second one. I want to say it's the first one. But there was an entire section of that game that's referred to in a couple of different places, and you know that you're supposed to go there, but there is no way to go there because they never built out that section of the game, and they didn't go back and remove the other references. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of instances of, of uh, video games where something was alluded to but never actually was created. So, uh, yeah, there's a dark side as well, Yeah, um, appropriate for Star Wars. <laughs> um. Yeah, just talking about that reminded me of an Easter egg that I did that I do think is cool. Um, TiVo is known as a uh, a device that, well, when, on its release, a lot of uh, a lot of the content providers, the TV content providers, were really upset about it because they didn't want people. Now you could record and playback shows anytime and skip commercials and, and or... skip commercials, which was what replay TV advertised. You could mm-hmm. just skip ahead thirty seconds. Well, that. Actually earned replay TV quite a few lawsuits. Yes. Um, but TiVo said, well, you know, you can fast forward, but you can't actually skip ahead, which earned them a break from the lawsuits, at least for those. Um, but there is a way to do it. And I think it's probably one of those things that they had in the code. Um, but they probably had turned off for a reason. I'm guessing mm-hmm. that's the reason. I've never heard anybody say that that's the reason. But if you play, if you, if you have a, a first generation, or I don't know if it still works on the newer generations, but I know it worked on, on my first generation. Select, play, select, three, zero, select on the remote. Suddenly, when you press forward, it goes, it skips ahead 30 seconds. And you don't have to fast forward through commercials anymore. So send your complaints yeah. to your content providers to. Oh, it's all over the internet. At howstuffworks.com. Yeah. Um, well, uh, that, that wraps up our, our quick discussion about our favorite Easter eggs. Now, granted, like we said, there are thousands oh, yeah. of these. There are websites devoted to yeah. Easter eggs and all kinds of DVDs and, there are probably and CDs and software. And hundreds and hundreds of undiscovered Easter eggs out there. In some cases, all it takes is for someone who worked on the project to mention it to someone else, and eventually it'll disseminate to everybody else. Uh, in other cases, everyone just keeps mum about it, and it really does take some uh, creative um, – snooping to figure out if something has an Easter egg or not. Uh, so uh, I remember that at one point I had a DVD and I can't remember what it was now where the Easter egg was actually a picture of an Easter egg. Really? Yeah. If you found like the little Easter egg and you pushed the button, yeah. it would just give you a picture like of an Easter, Easter egg, egg. And that was the Easter egg. It was a joke played on you for messing around trying to find the Easter egg. Um, <laughs> nice. Anyway, but that wraps up this discussion and it leads us now to our second bout of Listener mail. This listener mail comes from Ben in New York, and he says, Hey guys, I am officially obsessed. I listened to you guys for four hours today. While listening, I thought of some new ideas for the podcast. Annoyances in technology and science and medical technology. Your seventh grade fan, Ben. Ben, seek out help. 
<laughs> Listening to us for four hours is a sure sign of a problem. I'm glad that you were able to admit this to us. Now it's time to take the next step. No, no. Ben, really, we really appreciate it. That's great. I'm glad that you enjoy the show. And uh, those are great suggestions. We've added them to the list. Uh, if we were to do an episode on annoyances and technology, I'm going to probably need some Valium. Because as it goes on, I will get more and more irritated, and Chris can only put up with so much of that. I'll have to, uh, I have to bring my poncho in for when that vein on your forehead decides to go. Explode. Yeah, when I finally have an aneurysm right there in the middle of the podcast. Yeah, we know it's gonna happen, people. It's okay. I'm alright with that. (laughs) Well, Ben, thanks a lot for writing in. If any of you want to write in with questions or comments, anything like that, our email address is techstuff at howstuffworks.com. And Chris and I will talk to you again really soon. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. And be sure to check out the new Tech Stuff blog, now on the HowStuffWorks homepage. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?